Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. Oh, yeah, it is. Welcome to my house, everybody, Arizona homeowners. We're here for hour three of our Saturday morning broadcast, where we show up every Saturday morning with one purpose in mind. To answer any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin, as well in the first hour about your garden and or landscaping. So give us a ring, one 767 Let us put our building and remodeling experience in Arizona to work for you. I've been building and remodeling ever since I got my driver's license back in 1972, uh, my neighbors used me as slave labor before that, so um, I, I've been uh, working at it for a long time. Uh, Romy's been at my side for about half that time. Let us put our experience to work at your house, your home, your castle, or your cabin. I saw an interesting event coming up in Phoenix at one of the historic districts. Tucson has them. Phoenix has them, neighborhoods that allow themselves to come together with an identity of being identified as a historic subdivision. And it was tradition for a lot of these districts to run home and garden tours for a long time. And the COVID pandemic kind of put an end to all that. These homeowners open their homes up to strangers to allow you to come and take a look at their house, their garage, the yard, and all those home and garden tours pretty well got put to rest, put to bed, not going to do it anymore. Well, they're beginning to open back up. And one in Phoenix in particular, Windsor Square, is opening their neighborhood up for Sunday November 6th from 11 to 4 p.m. And so I got to doing a little research on Windsor Square, which let's just say, let's just say it's central to 7th Street, north of Camelback. A great little area. And if you go on their website, windsorsquarephoenix.com, it describes Arizona Republic, which used to be published in the morning, and Phoenix Gazette, which used to be published in the afternoon, right? It goes in and it actually pulls the different newspaper advertisements about this new subdivision going in in 1921, where lots could be had for $300. I always like to think about what the city must have looked like at that time. It was just one flat desert floor with lots of dust. At Central and Camelback, you were out in the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, were, you were way north of town. But just reading some of the newspaper advertisements about the homes that are being built there and the historic people, the famous people who ended up building houses in this area, it's, it's, it's really a very, very intriguing story. So you actually drove through the neighborhood just the other day, didn't I you? I did, and, you know, after you described all those things, I pictured something a lot different. You know, I kind of like grand homes and stuff. They're just really solid ranch homes, one story, uh, very consistent little lots. Uh, the lots are actually pretty generous for a, 
for the size. Oh, yeah. Know. Compared um, to what we were putting people on in the 80s. Yeah. And they have <laughs> um, they have the streets so that you can't just go zooming through. They have to work a little hard at getting in there, which I don't blame them. Um, but just really charming. Lots of brick, lots of block, um, very simple. I, I really, really liked it. And it's so close to everything. So, And the funny thing about that. <clears throat> You ever think there'll be a historic home where someone goes through? I really like the wood on that, structural wood on that house. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's the masonry. It is. They're very, very sturdy homes. Started in 1921. The property actually went in, the entire subdivision actually went into foreclosure in the Great Depression of 28-29. Took about eight years for it to come back out of that uh, uh, court hearing. And then lots had gone all the way up. To five to seven hundred dollars, <laughs> a lot. Did you take the time to Zillow what that area was worth? Worth today? No, I, I I could get take a guess, but that's all it would be worth. But I mean, rock solid neighborhood, Windsor Square. If you'd like uh, to, it, it's a great opportunity to kind of assess um, neighborhood living, urban, in a historic district. It's November sixth. Get to windsorsquarephoenix.com, and it's right there on their website with a tab for the home and garden tour. There was two things I didn't see in the neighborhood. One was any for sale signs. <laughs> yeah, I bet not. And the other was anything in disrepair, just a lot of pride in the area. Well, that's one of the things you have to be aware of. If you buy a historic home, you have to maintain it. So you can't move in and, like, spend every dollar you have to get into the neighborhood because you're going to need a lot more to keep it up. But it can also be very frustrating because if you have an idea of what you want your home to look like, there's each each historic district, I won't say every single one, but any I'm familiar with, You know, if you do any repairs, it has to meet that same architectural design. So it's not like you can go in, level the house down to the slab, and start all over. There's certain amounts of original. They preserve material. the historic value. Right. So, um, $500 in 1920 is the equivalent to the purchasing power today of about $7,404.28. That's still a bargain. That's still a good bargain. <laughs> I'd, I'd, buy um, a, I'd buy a lot in Windsor Square for $7,000. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. Say, ain't a, uh, what, what do you think a lot by itself? That real estate went a lot faster than the dollar. <laughs> I don't understand the question. Well, he was saying that $500 back then is worth 7500 today. Right. You couldn't buy it. If there was a vacant lot in Windsor Square, you, you couldn't buy a corner to stand on for $7,500. I mean, it's probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. So the real estate value okay. went a lot faster Maybe. up than the... Yeah, maybe the, the size of a paver is what you could <laughs> yeah, afford, right. 7000 <laughs> Well, congratulations, Windsor Square and the Homeowners Association that is opening the neighborhood back up to a home and garden tour. Uh, many of the historic districts in Phoenix do it. Uh, I would encourage you all, take advantage and, and support them. There's uh, good participation there. Hey, I have a few questions here for you. Questions that have come in, let's take yeah, them. So That's you know, what we're here for, to take your questions at one 767 Our happy place is actually answering your questions. We love doing that, and you can reach us all kinds of ways. Uh, 
and if you ever get stuck and can't find something, call this number anytime. We'll, we'll help you find. I, I forwarded some information. Someone had heard a show. They're like, what? I can't find it. So I sent her the link, and she was just very thankful. So we're, Great. we're all about getting you plugged in. Uh, this is from Bert. He's a longtime listener, and he okay. loves your show and advice. Okay. But this is not a homeowner question. No. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been wanting to visit different SEC stadiums for a while. I finally booked SEC uh-huh. Southeastern Conference. Yes, oh. I finally booked a trip for the Tennessee at LSU game next. Oh, <laughs> going on so right he's there today. today. It's he right is. now. And any advice on what to do in Baton Rouge? The game. Well, I mean, that's the, the first that's, advice is he should have called me for some tickets. I've got, I've got the season tickets that my dad bought in 1950, 1953. The seats I was grown up in. I still have those season tickets. And if any of you listeners ever want to attend an LSU game at Death Valley in Baton Rouge, call me and let me know. Uh, if, if my cousins haven't already claimed the ticket or Jennifer and I aren't planning on going ourselves, we'd love to have you sit in our seats. So going that far back, he saw the Billy Cannon game. Oh, yes, he, he was there. Oh. He was there that night. Mama, Mama Kay says she was sitting on and the benches were wood, and she was eight months pregnant. Yeah. At that game? Wow. <laughs> and then as far as what else to do in Baton Rouge, I think one of my favorite things in Baton Rouge is just take a road up to St. Francisville, you know, about a 45-minute drive, and go visit historic St. Francisville. You've got Audubon Plantation right there. You've got Oak Alley. Or the other great ideas from Baton Rouge, actually from where the stadium is, just get on the river road and take the river road to New Orleans. There's about seven or eight plantation tour, museum, gift shop, bed and breakfasts all along that particular road. And in my love of history, I just love seeing how ingenious some of those architectural features were to make the house livable before they had air conditioning. Well, and not even air conditioning. One of the things I'd love to marvel is how did they do this without power tools? Oh, yeah. Well, Jake Gunther could tell you that. You know, just <laughs> Tito and Tilum. <laughs> just the the ability to create those things with with hand tools with no electricity. Very I, impressive. I ought to cover the expense for you to fly and go see Thomas Jefferson's house, Monticello, and, and look at his hand calculations on 11 pieces of paper on how he and his slave designed the wooden arch that forms the historic, iconic Monticello look that was also used at University of Virginia. He hand-calculated every single cut of that arch. 11 pages. They still have all 11 pages of his notes and drawings. And you know how hard it is That's to impressive. cut a straight line with a handsaw? I mean, nowadays... Especially with, the, by, with an 8 by 12 beam. That's right, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got the braces and the... Uh, you know, you can hold things so perfectly, 90 degrees square, and you bring down the uh, the saw, whether you got a miter or you run it through the table saw, whatever the case, everything oh. is, you can cut very, very precise. Being able to have that same with the wobble of your hand on a, on a hand saw. Cutting comp- impressive. Cutting multiple compound complex miters. On one end of an 8 by 12 with a handsaw and a pull adds. That's all you have, baby. It, 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 when you stand there and you look up and you see that dome, it, it literally takes the words right out of your mouth. 
That's it's a true Im- do-it-yourself project. It, that's <laughs> impressive, I'll tell you. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. I hope you're outside enjoying this beautiful October morning. And Rosie, I do think the colors are more beautiful as the temperatures come down. 105, 10, 15, everything's like whitewashed. Even the rocks are happy. Yes, everything is happy today. I wanted to cover A Life Worth Living in Place. I have a segment we like to share with our older adults. If you are interested in the internet at all, but you're intimidated by it, I found a fantastic website. Lawrence Kosick, he's the president and co-founder of Get Set Up. Good morning, Lawrence. How are you? Uh, Jennifer, I'm doing great and uh, very happy to be here with you today. Tell me a little bit about what is Get Set Up. So Get Set Up is a social learning platform or website for older adults, folks over 50, like myself, I'm 55. We thought that there was a place for every other age group and demographic to learn new things, socialize and connect with others, but there was really nothing um, that was specifically designed for, for those of us who are over 50 or over 60. So we wanted to create that safe place where folks could come and learn whatever it is they wanted to learn virtually in a video-based session, like using Zoom, things they wanted to learn to live a happy, healthier, more connected life. And so we launched uh, Get Set Up, www.getsetup.org, a little over two years ago, um, and it's, it's been a fun journey. Well, your timing was perfect because who could have known what was going to happen to the whole world when COVID hit and how isolated we'd be. You know, I'm, I'm in the older adult age myself. I have parents who are older, and the p- difference between my parents is, is kind of marked. You know, one is, like, not interested in all, at all in going forward in learning technology. Another one is interested but quite dangerous. <laughs> So, you know, if you, if you go to look up something and you're not familiar with the Internet, you can end up in places you probably shouldn't be. You can compromise information. I have an older father who's 93. He has a voracious appetite for technology, and I simply wasn't great tech support. And so um, we came up with an idea, you know, reskilling and upskilling, you know, folks over 50 who would then teach other older adults, so peer-to-peer. And we found that there was a magic that occurred when you had you know, when you were learning something from someone who had a similar sort of patience, empathy, and cadence, it just made you feel comfortable that if, if, if they could learn it, so, so, so could you. You know, it's almost like learning a foreign language. Sometimes when a younger person tries to teach that older person, they don't realize how far back they have to go or how basic they need to go. We teach everything from basic tech around sort of the different devices that people might want to learn, an iPad, iPhone, Android, tablet, et cetera, Um, exercise classes, cooking classes, language classes. Um, And and for all of those, you know, we've we've found, um, you know, uh, folks who have, who are credentialed, who have previous, previous experience, you know, teaching those particular subjects. And then we go through a sort of a reskilling and upskilling process where you know, we teach those folks how to teach online, right? And so it is very important to us, given that we work with, you know, health and human services and health plans and governments and whatnot, um, that it be a safe, secure place that all of the, 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 the teachers be vetted. Um, but the learning is an important piece, but so is the community and socialization. And so 
you know, for the academic classes, it's quite important that um, there's a rigorous process around vetting folks and making sure that they're credentialed in the things that they teach. But there's also a lot of fun things that are more casual in nature, and it's, it's around, you know, visiting or exercising or cooking or travel-related classes, and those are, those are more casual and they're more fun and more community in nature. So if somebody wants to find you, how, do you, how does someone get involved and get set up? The web address or the URL is www.getsetup.org, getsetup.org. If they're comfortable, they can browse the class schedule. They can find plenty of free classes. If they need some help, there's an 800 number there on the page. There's also live chat. So if they want to just ask somebody a quick question or get some advice or guidance, all of that is available when they get to the website to sort of help them find their way and help discover sort of what might be sort of their first interesting class. We have a very large selection of classes and really where that evolved from is we've always asked the users to suggest what it mm. is they might want to learn next. And so we get hundreds of suggestions every day around really interesting topics that we probably wouldn't come up with ourselves. You know, people think about financial security, they think about their health, they think about physical fitness, they think about nutrition, but they think about fun and entertainment and community as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's really wonderful to get people first comfortable with their basic tech, but then you see that there's a whole new sort of universe of opportunity that opens up where they can learn almost anything. That's great. So this is Lawrence Kosick, president and co-founder of Get Set Up, a wonderful website platform for older adults. Lawrence, thank you so very much for joining us today. GetSetUp.org. Thank you for having me today. Sanderson Ford is not afraid to say no, as in no hassle, no pressure, no nonsense with no added markups that's right no added markup but they say yes a lot too as in yes to 500 vehicles in stock with more arriving daily i just got a text this morning ford motor company said the last truck i ordered from sanderson got shipped yesterday yes they say yes to helping your order your new Ford. That's exactly what I did. I specified everything I wanted on this truck. I can't wait to get it. Yes, to high trade-in allowances. Yes, to being America's most awarded Ford dealership for complete customer satisfaction. You want to get into the Arizona State Fair? Bring 10 cans of food. It's a part of Operation Santa Claus with Sanderson Ford. Sanderson Ford. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you if you'd like to join the conversation. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three, or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse.com. And we did have a texter send in. Oh, I'm looking at it now. Two texters send in information about home warranties. So we'll that they to, like well, home warranty companies. They like one of them was a like. The other one, I it's. It's like three paragraphs. I got to oh, got to sort it <laughs> off. Whoever was texting like had time warranty, to right? sit there on that phone and. That's impressive. When you can type three paragraphs on a on a telephone, that's impressive. <laughs> oh, if it's more than one sentence. I'm I'm done with texting. I'm like, all right, just pick up the phone and call. I do have an email question here for you. Okay, far away. I saw your YouTube video on sealing cracks around your home. Will sealing outdoor cracks around the perimeter of the home also help prevent leaks from rain? And any tips for killing weeds growing out of the crack that needs to be sealed? <laughs> okay. 
I think that's three questions. I think, well, you know, I was counting them. I, I think I've come to the same conclusion. So there is a video on our YouTube channel on filling cracks in your, primarily uh, the, the video is about exterior stucco homes, okay? And stucco cracks, that's just it's what it's made to do. <laughs> and it does it very well. Um, a good paint job will cover most mapping cracks, spider web cracks, or shrinkage cracks, okay? And those should definitely be sealed with an elastomeric caulk and then two coats of exterior acrylic paint over the top of that. So, yes, they should be sealed. Stucco is not waterproof. It is like a sponge. It absorbs the water. The only thing that protects your home, your stucco home, from moisture infiltration is a good paint job. That's your home's raincoat. And if it has tears in it or cracks or seams or voids in it, your house is going to leak. And the fact that you've got weeds growing out of the cracks is a perfect huh. indication that, yes, you do have a moisture problem. Uh, I would have to believe a weed growing out of a crack in the stucco is simple enough you could go in there and just pull it out um, and be done with it. Uh, at that point, then what I like to do is I like to take a margin trowel and I run up and down the crack and I get all the little stucco on the edges of the crack that's loose knocked off. Then I take an air compressor and I blow the crack out so there's no loose little grains of sand inside the crack. Then I take an elastomeric caulk. You may want that textured or you may want that smooth depending on your stucco finish. Uh, get a, get Generally speaking, get a textured elastomeric caulk, squeeze it in there, then I take my finger and rub it smooth, then I take a sponge and I dampen it and I daub the face of the caulk line and that tends to make it blend a lot better. Let the elastomeric caulk dry well overnight at least and then apply two coats of exterior paint. You will not be able to include this paint just on the area that you repaired. You're going to have to paint from one corner to another corner to get it all to blend and look good. So yes, if you have weeds growing in the cracks of your stucco, you have a moisture problem. I think that's a safe assumption. <laughs> one of the things I wanted to cover today was our handyman tip of the week. And it We've been talking about do-it-yourself projects this month. Last week, we talked about the three P's of your do-it-yourself project. Planning, preparation, and precautions. Today, we talked a little bit about the other P, procrastination. And then we talked about the hybrid project, about when you've decided after assessing what you're going to tackle that it's beyond your tool inventory, it's beyond your work experience, it's beyond your comfort level. How do you integrate pros and expert craftsmen into the job you're trying to do half by yourself and half with others? So if you need that segment, go ahead and pull the podcast. But it can all start with a building permit. And we address that in our website today in the do-it-yourself tip when what do you need to know about building permits and why they matter? I've, I've said it for a lot of years. If I could make, if I could be king for a day, 
I would make it a code requirement that everybody put surge protectors on every single home that's built. Well, golly, what was it? Last summer, somebody told us, Rosie, your your wish has come true. They've now required surge protectors uh, on every new home that's going to be built. Excellent. The next thing I would do is I would make a law that for a home to change hands in a real estate transaction, you would have to have, it's almost like a Carfax. You'd have to have the building inspection report for that house. I think building inspectors should include that as a part of their general overall inspection. It's very easy to log on to the building department's website, plug in that address, and see if a permit was ever pulled. I think building inspectors ought to have the responsibility of saying, we think this, this, and this were all done after the home was originally built. We suspect these areas are additions and we can't find a permit on file. You should know that. So if I could be king for a day, I would make permit notifications necessary on every single real estate transaction. It put a stop to a lot of this illegal flipping that's going on. Tell us what you really think. We need about some water treatment, about solar, or about building permits. Where do you want to go on that I don't know. Your one? blood pressure is a little high today. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So I feel, I feel pretty strongly about that. It would, it would clean up so much stuff for sure. And we've got when five. you're on the that high horse, you know, take it, take it the next level. Why not? Why not do what Germany does? You've got to, Amen. you know, you only have a two year warranty when you build a home in Arizona. I mean, what, what is it in Germany? Like fifty years? Lifetime. Lifetime. Wow. Of whose lifetime? That's why. That's why in Europe they never use the low bidder. In or a, silly in, sticks and in, stucco for in, their house. In America. We have the tradition of getting three bids, which I don't recommend. Get three bids and you pick the lowest. In Europe, they get five bids, they average them, and the one that's closest to the average is awarded the contract. And then those contractors are expected to warranty the building for life. And, Romy, you're exactly right. That's why everything, virtually everything in Europe is built with masonry. It's like the German version of The Price is Right. (laughs) That's right, yes. (laughs) Sorry, you went over. You win the bid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I'd do. I'd I'd make it masonry. Not to say that there's not a place for wood. There's, but it's like an interior decoration. Your cabinets, your window frames, picture frames. Um, you know, it's really a, a sharp look. Is like a faux wood ceiling. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. <clears throat> or real wood ceiling. <laughs> faux or real. Yeah. Both of them are good. Yeah. Hey, you guys know what October is? Uh, I know Governor Ducey um, just signed a proclamation saying it's Construction Sciences Career Month. Did you have a guess too, Romy? <laughs> Fire Safety Month. Oh, so okay. Just, just a heads up before we start the cooking season um, to make sure that your house is ready for you know to prevent any kind of fire kitchen is of course the most common place so make sure you have your fire extinguishers and then you're going to have guests and things make sure that all the bedrooms have the uh, fire and smoke alarms as well as uh, carbon monoxide phoenix uh city of phoenix has a wonderful link for fire safety and probably your city does too but it's a great place to go on and find out you know first you should have an escape plan things to think about for an escape plan um 
you know, making sure uh, that everybody knows where to gather in case of a fire. If you have a second story, to make sure you have a ladder to escape. If you, in a very, do we have any uh, of those wells, Rosie? Like, what do you call those? Window wells? Window wells. In the basements? Mm-hmm. We, we don't have too we many don't, of those. We don't have many basements. But if you do have a window well, make sure you have a way to get out of yeah, it. Yeah, a ladder to get out. Um, so just all those kind of things and, and discuss it as a family. Make sure everybody is on the same page. And then also there's a, a way to get out of a house, you know, if, if there is a fire and smoke. There's a technique to get out safely. So just make sure you do your homework, get set up, make sure you have the right kind of fire extinguishers in the different parts of the house for cooking or there's a different kind for the for the garage. So lots to think about. It's a good month just to stop and do that before the holidays hit. Fire safety month. And, oh, and I did get a notice, babe, you need to know from um, uh, Cajun Kitchens. There's a shortage of turkeys this year. If you want a turkey, and you need to order it now. Oh, no. <laughs> Speaking of cooking. Oh. I actually prefer our, our fried turkeys. You okay. want to end the show early? Is it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to order right now, Gary, right now. Well, well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, a text question said, I missed the 8 o'clock hour, and I was going to call in, live in Chandler, and want to have a, uh, install a winter lawn. When's the best time to do that? And what type? Well, most, and I say most, I don't know any of the winter lawns that aren't rye in Pima, Pinal, Maricopa County. There might, you know, higher in the mountains. I don't know if they have something different that they use. Um, most of the time it's under snow, so I'm going to say no. But <laughs> I'm planting is, is mine. Is that fake turf in NAU, Sky Dome? <laughs> I don't know. Is that fake turf up there? Well, it's, it never snows on the Sky Dome anyway inside. And right, that's what I mean. So what, what, what is it they're growing inside if it's real turf? I'm, I'm actually planting my winter lawn this afternoon, but I am abiding by City of Scottsdale's request not to overseed. City of Scottsdale is actually sending every single water consumer, please don't overseed. I'm going to overseed, but I'm only going to overseed 300 square feet as opposed to the 2,000 square feet. Just a just, just what's right off the just, that just what's right there. I'm gonna oversee the rest of it. I'm gonna let it go. And I would tell this homeowner um, if you are going to do it this weekend, like Rosie's, you've got to get a cover on it. If you wait a little later, you can get away with not having to put additional soil to uh, protect the seed because it won't germinate if it dries out. So you've got to keep it constantly wet so the seed doesn't dry out and. It's, uh, it's still a little too warm for that. That's a big reason to never miss an episode of Rose on Ask because John Harper talked about winter lawn conversions two weeks ago. Start mowing your start mowing your warm, wetter gas, grass lower, lower, lower now. And in a couple weeks, you're going to want to be ready for it. And one other tip is those seeds are not endless. So if you wait too long, there may not be any. And always buy a little extra in case you have a bald spot. You kind of want to fill Amen. in again. We've been there before, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Go go ahead and buy the seed now. Absolutely. And a little extra. And a little extra. But uh, if you're, unless you're going to spread topsoil on top, you're still a couple weeks off, probably uh, after Halloween. Well, what did we learn today? 
At Rosie on the House, we work all week long putting together a three-hour program for y'all every Saturday morning, trying to bring you information that will help you maintain, repair, remodel, or fix up your house, home, castle, cabin, garden, lawn, or trees. We start with the Outdoor Living Hour where we had Save a Tree this morning. Sarah and Richard, they were great. Our tree of the month was the Canyon Hackberry, which is uh, <laughs> we had a texter calling uh, said when, as we were describing it in its early stages. All I got in my mind is the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Uh, <laughs> it's encouraging to know it will get better. So. Yes, yeah. let it let grow. it grow. And I wanted to repeat out of that hour, we talked about the fact that right now at the Arizona Snow Bowl, we talk about Arizona staycations all the time. For those of you down here in the valley that want to see the color. They tell me the gondola ride at the Snow Bowl right now, after a little snow frosting we got in earlier in the week, is a spectacular ride. You don't even have to bring an overcoat. Just bring a little light sweater. You're in an enclosed gondola right up to the top or near the top of Agassiz and uh, take a ride down. It is a gorgeous way to take in uh, the high country right now. But if you're going to do that, the other thing I learned in the 8 o'clock hour was forest bathing. Which it sounds to me like uh, camping. Yeah, <laughs> you take you take the time to meditate on all five senses. Walk the forest with your electronics back at the car, and take all five senses and absorb the forest. I forest could go bathing. there. What, what taste, smell, touch, touch, hear, hear, citherism. What am I missing? I'm only at four. Taste. I said that one. Oh. Eh, Sight. Whatever. Sight. Maybe, maybe that's it. Here's where it gets interesting, because I love creek hikes. Vision. What if you're near a creek? And technically, there's some bathing involved. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, were, we were climbing Mount Whitney two weeks ago, and there's a lake right at base camp, and a couple guys that came over the John Muir Trail stripped down to their underwear and jumped right in that water. It was so cold, I could hardly drink it. <laughs> and they were swimming, and I thought... You are a man. You are a real man. All right. The other thing we talked about today in the 9 o'clock hour is those hybrid remodels and why it might be hard for you to find tradespeople that are willing to work with you, the homeowner, who have already bought the material. Uh, Jennifer, I know you get that phone call at the office a lot. Now, it's all in the podcast. All you have to do is get their email address and shoot them the podcast. I don't know how I could be more thorough about it than we were in the 9 o'clock hour. I think the, the one-line piece of advice is don't assume. You know, do, ask your questions beforehand, before you buy it. Talk to your contractor first that you're thinking might be willing to do that. That's for sure. The other thing we talked about is I kind of blew up uh, in the second half of the 9 o'clock hour on water treatment and solar based on Wally's question from Mesa. Um all I'm going to say right now is there is so much misinformation, so much misleading information that I would call it criminal and crooked in two particular industries, the water treatment industry and the solar industry. So if you're pursuing a solar or water treatment system, you better get to rosyonthehouse.com and take a look at the four approved water treatment specialists or the two solar contractors. The industry is rife 
with crookedness. On that topic, we have updated recently our resource guides for homeowners. One of them is on, well, there's quite a few of them. That's right. Water treatment was just updated. We're working on the solar one, uh, one on roofing, one on how to choose a contractor. So you can go right on there and read them, download them, have them, uh, and they'll really help you to think through the, it gives you the right questions to ask, what to think about in those industries. Handed a lot of them out at the Saba Home Show. Well, we did. Jennifer had a nice rack of a news rack that had them all on it by row, and I can't tell you how many people just zoned in on those and came and grabbed it. You could tell what they were working on or what they were there to pick out because we had roofing, water treatment, um, general contractor painting, and mm-hmm. you you could tell what they were working on by which which one they were grabbing. And they would go, I'll take, oh, and okay, that one. So some took two or three or four, and it's not about, I mean, we have our referral network with really great guys in all those industries, but just in general, what to talk about, no matter who you choose. I've been asked for years by homeowners and home show attendees that come up to me and say, Rosie, why don't you write a book? I say, what would I write it on? Well, what to do about homeowner, Arizona homeownership? Well, I've decided to write a book, uh, but the one I'm going to write is what not to do. Mm, there you go. <laughs> What not to do. And I'm going to use those consumer guides as our outline to start the book. Reverse psychology. That's right. All the things not to do for your Arizona home. You drew quite a a crowd at the Saba Show with your 10 things to avoid. So people, that does get people's attention. Those were fun. What not to do, what to to avoid. Those were a lot of fun. And there were people that came back the second day knowing it was the same presentation just to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) It's good stuff. The Saba Home Show twice a year. It is the only home show where you can catch Rosie on the House live in the entire state of Arizona. The Saba Home Show, Tucson Convention Center. Folks, we hope we we learned a lot putting this show together for y'all. We hope y'all learned something that you can use and take and apply at your house, home, castle, or cabin. We're Arizona born, Arizona raised. Arizona managed. It's all about the great state of Arizona and your home.